This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, y'all? Coast to Coast Podcast. A post-game edition. A coast to post. Coming after you right after the Tar Heels down the Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee, 77 to 66. I'm Joey Powell. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, boys, the unthinkable has taken place. We actually have back-to-back, two-back wins to talk about tonight. We've talked about how brutal it's been doing our show the last little while, coming off a loss as well. The basketball gods have smiled upon us as they're smiling on the Tar Heels right now. With me, as always, Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. I've been told that I can't ask you guys how you're doing. So no matter what you say, I don't care how you're doing right now. All right? You're just robots to be on this podcast and give us your analysis, but I am not allowed to care about you as human beings. Now let's talk about basketball. Boys, uh, the Tar Heels 77-66 against Florida State tonight. That's after a 71-63 win against UVA on Saturday that they absolutely had to have to get that elusive Q1. We can talk about how just absolutely dumb the, the quad system is and net rating and all that stuff. But now, after the Tar Heels shot, Two for 23 from three against Notre Dame and South Bend. The last two games, they are 24 of 51 from three-point land. Sherelle, is it just as simple as making three-pointers? What makes all the difference for this basketball team? Uh, It certainly seems like it. It's funny because we've all been trying to find that smoking gun. What is it? Is it somebody's not healthy? Is it that they don't like each other? Is it they're not having fun? And it's like, (laughs) well, maybe just they need to make five or six more threes a game. I think Sean did this game. I, I was hearing Sean's voice in my head the entire <laughs> game watching it because it was like, okay, they need to make eight threes. It was like, check. And it was like, whenever they play a bad team, they've got to get that lead up from, you know, eight or nine to 17 or 18. So when the inevitable run does come, it's not, it's, you know, an eight or nine point lead instead of being tied. So it was like the whole season was kind of flashing before our eyes in that they finally were able to do, um, what we wanted to do, which is just hit open shots. If you looked at uh, the defense from Florida State, which was, which was really, 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 really bad. Not good at all. It's it's the most step-in threes I think I've seen Carolina have this entire season. Um, they just made their open threes. So uh, is it as simple as that? Yeah, I, I don't think the offense looked particularly different or more crisp or anything. They, they definitely were moving the ball better. Maybe they didn't have at times, but the looks 
to me, weren't demonstrably different from the looks they've gotten most of the season. They just have been able to knock them in the last two games. You know, and, and it wasn't that everything was was all, you know, candy and roses, right? I mean, they they turned the ball over uh, quite a bit, 14 turnovers, including a, a six straight turnover stretch uh, in the first half that was reminiscent of last Wednesday in South Bend when things just looked absolutely abysmal. Sean, what were some things that you saw the Tar Heels do tonight? If you want to go back to Wednesday, too, I know you love watching Tony Bennett's style of play. But um, if, if you'd like to go back to, to Saturday, too, and talk about that, what were some things you saw this team doing tonight as well as UVA that they might be able to carry with them into Saturday and then into Greensboro next week? Well, I think the, as Sherelle said, the, the main thing was getting, getting those halftime leads in, in double digits, um, both on, on Saturday. I think they were close to 1.4 points per possession in the first half. Uh, today, I think they were close to 1.3 or uh, 1.26, something like that. So the, both of those numbers extremely, extremely strong, uh, well over their, their season averages. But then again, and, and it gives you breathing room. Uh, when you when you go cold or when the team goes on on a run, which um, you know both both leads shrank, especially against Florida State. I, th I think everybody when it got down to four, you know, was, was wondering <laughs> what's what's going on. But you know th that's a lot different than uh, Pittsburgh or some of the other games where they were clearly the better team in the first half, but yeah. they only had uh, you know maybe a seven point lead at UVA, a, a two point lead. So there was that. Uh, going back to the UVA game. I think, you know, one was the home crowd uh, always makes a difference, but they came out uh, both from Hubert Davis to the players, I, th I think, locked in and, and focused. And that was something we were saying all the time in the tournament last year, which we haven't said a lot this year in terms of their, their style of play. Uh, you know, one thing that stood out to me, and he's been criticized a lot by, by us fans, you know, everybody, RJ Davis on defense, not that they, he played extremely well, but he was playing extremely hard and in UVA, a few possessions stuck out. He got, I think four straight uh, or four possessions. He got three out of four defensive rebounds where he came in. And the other one was when he, he played tough defense on a key PA Clark drive. Armando got it. And then he just, as, as soon as he got in bounds, he got the ball and was pushing it. Um, today was definitely a little bit, a little bit slower, started out with some made threes, but I don't know if it wasn't locked in or just sluggish or, or Florida state kind of, got into him a little bit and Cheryl mentioned Florida state's lack of defense. I did think at the beginning they had scouted UNC very well in terms of what UNC was trying to do offensively. Yeah. And add that with some length and Florida state does have a lot of individual talent, which is why I always this game, do always do did scare me. And to me, it was a, just a huge, huge win being on the road, uh, a, a must win in Florida state with some confidence after last, last game. Uh, but you know, as you mentioned, they had the, they had the turnovers, but then they were, they were able to hit shots. They're able to move the ball and they're able to build that lead. So a few different, few different things that, that went on, but I think going back to Saturday, how locked in they were, uh, and then in the first half, how they were able to take care of business, uh, which they, they didn't do against Notre Dame in the first half, but they did in the second half. So right now they've been putting really strong halves together and they're going to need, uh, you know, at least a half and a, uh, a half and a half of another half to do it against uh, Duke on, on Saturday. You mentioned that Florida state had the scout on North Carolina. It looks like they had things, you know, pretty tight to begin with. They were fronting Armando Baycott, which has given him some trouble this year. And as we've seen and talked about on the show over his career, he's really struggled or when he struggled, it's been against guys who had length 
And, you know, with Florida State starting a guy that I think was about seven foot 12, um, <laughs> he did give Armando some trouble to start with. So, what I want to go to you now with, Sean, is which was more surprising? Armando Baycott finishing with one point and zero field goals or the fact that the rest of the team picked him up? Uh, this is a, I'll go with Armando because we, we did see what happened on Saturday. But I think taking Armando out for a second, it, go, it goes back to Saturday and Pete, Pete Nance being the, the main person that stepped up, uh, but also Leaky Black. And I think this is what we've seen in the losses is that people have been completely disregarding those two players offensively, which has made it even harder for RJ Davis, Caleb Love, and Armando to get baskets or is he, or even good good shots uh, either at the rim or from three. Once Pete Nance hit a few on Saturday, he got his confidence that opened things up. Leaky Black today with 18. Um, and, and I think this doesn't get you back to the level that they were at last year, but at the same time, it does give you much more ability to score when you, you just have one or two other players that are now able to score in double figures, they're able to to hit open shots. Uh, you know, Puff Johnson hitting the two straight threes against UVA at somebody coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. So the scoring load was was lightened. I mean, you can go back to some of the tournament games last year where uh, you know Baylor, Caleb Love didn't didn't have a great game. R.J. Davis did, you know, and and they were kind of flip flopping. But they were able to do that because you had Armando getting 20, Brady getting 20. Mm-hmm. Not saying Pete Nance and Leakey are going to do that every day, but if you can get, once again, 10 points from Leakey, maybe more in an efficient manner, but more importantly, you have Pete Nance hitting some shots and the, the defense can't sag as much. I think that's, that's um, you know, the, the best thing for the team going forward. And I'd say the most surprising, the most surprising thing was Armando getting one point. But when you have that, that offset, you know, it's not a deal breaker this time. You talk about Pete Nance really stepping up the last couple of games. Uh, he said in one of his post-game interviews with Inside Carolina that he tried to get a little more arc on his shot, that that coaches have always been trying to tell him that. I don't know that I see that. I see him shooting more in rhythm and with more confidence. Are you actually seeing better trajectory on his shots right now? Yeah, I mean, there was a maybe one or two in the second half where you, you didn't see it as much, but uh, listen to those interviews and and obviously people uh, were catching that and against UVA it was, it was pretty evident he was getting I thought some maybe normal <laughs> normal arc on his shot which for him is is pretty significant um, but you can go back even a few games where he was still missing and he did have that arc uh, it was just that some of the shots were going in and out uh, not all of them were online but a lot of them a lot of them were they just weren't falling and I think once you see one go in then it, it just can make a world of a difference for, for a shooter. But, you know, I, I think that was a concern coming into the season that you have this guy that shot 45%. Wasn't on, it was on a decent size volume, but but wasn't overly aggressive. Uh, but you saw that line drive shot, and you wondered, can that can that stick? And it really didn't, uh, you know, for the majority of the year. But I, I think also people talked about Nance being injured, RJ Davis being injured. It does look, to your point, whether it's in rhythm, a little more just – kind of bouncing his legs. Uh, it's not the it's not the fastest release, so he does need that time, but he's willing to pull it a little bit quicker, um, and he's getting maybe a little bit more lift, and he does have that arc. So I think people are feeling confident when he when he, when he he's letting it fly right now. Shrill, the other half of making up for Armando's off night was Leaky Black, as Sean just mentioned. And I love that he called attention to both those guys. Mm-hmm. Shrill, I want to talk about Leaky for a second. Uh, Rashawn Malik Black. 
tonight did something that I think a lot of analysts and Tar Heel fans and people that have, have followed his game for a long time, not just in that dunk that he had when the game was on the line where he basically just eviscerated half of Florida State's front line, but 18 points on six for eight field goals, three for four from behind the arc, uh, nine rebounds, three assists, and one block. Before tonight, he's averaging 31% from behind the arc. He's averaging about seven and a half points, six rebounds a game, and almost one block shot. This is kind of the stat stuffer I think that people always saw Leaky Black becoming. I'm going to open it up to you. How do you feel seeing this as somebody who's covered Leaky for so long? Uh, and, and are you finally seeing, yeah, I just called you old. Are you finally seeing some of the things that, uh, that may help to elevate this team if they want to make a run and get into the NCAA tournament? It's funny because that that dunk is among probably the five most aggressive plays I've seen him make, and ever. I've been covering him now for eight, eight <laughs> almost eight years now since he committed <laughs> to UNC. Um, so yeah, it, it's been there. You know, it's just it's a mindset thing. And again, he, he's never going to be the guy who does this every single game. But I think he's showing now that he's he can do it. And part of it, it I think, has been role. I don't know if his role was defined the first couple of years, exactly what was needed from him and expected from him. Uh, but I think uh, when Hebert Davis arrived, his role became kind of crystal clear. It was, you are, you know, the defensive stopper first and foremost, and then crash the boards. And then we needed you to make a, a corner three, you know, every once in a while. Right now he has the highest three-point average on the team um, after this game. So, you know, he's approved in that area. Um, still not great, but um has gone from being among the worst ever at UNC to being solid. So I think that's a, a career arc and improvement. Um, his passing numbers are, are all kind of down. But I think that's because he's expending more energy um, on the defensive end, and he's definitely become a, a much better rebounder. But yes, the the Swiss knife utility piece as, that you want on your team, that's what he's become. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm big on finality and – I think him and Pete Nance, you, you start to see it. You know, Armando Baycott, if he wanted to, could come could come back. But for Pete Nance and Leaky Black, they know this is it. This is the end. And every year, it never fails. You start to see um, kind of that cream rise to the top as it gets towards the end of the season. Because Pete Nance playing his best basketball when, you know, it's on the line. You know, one more loss and basically Carolina's done. Uh, Leaky Black, same thing. He, he was a rebound away from two double-doubles in the last three games. You know, he's been in double figures two of the last three games. He's hitting shots. He's playing good defense. Um, so I, it's it's been great to watch. Um, it's been fun to watch because both of these guys at some points in their career were, were very much maligned, and people wondered why they were in the lineup. Um, so it, it's been fun to watch for them. And I, I think if, to Sean's point, if they can continue to, to knock down these open shots, it's going to help out a ton. Now, the rest of the team um, has to come along with them. And I, I think... It was really fun to watch um, them pick up Armando Baycott because for so much of the year, it's felt like he's carried the team. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was good to watch him be able to to have an off night and USC not suffer for it. To reiterate some of that context, Leakey's first career double-double was when this year, Sherelle? Was against Clemson? Maybe? Uh, State or Clemson, one of those two, I yeah. think. Um, and now he's had, like you said, two out of three. So he went almost five years before getting his first one, and now he's – He's seemingly really rounding into form. Sean, you had something else you want to add about Leaky? Uh, just, just quick when you when when that play happened, I think it was last week on on the message boards. There was uh, a thread about 
Leakey's aggressiveness and somebody called out a, a Duncan in high school that he made and uh, went back through the archives. It was a CP3 game in Vegas uh, where he got, yeah, caught, the, caught the ball, left wing, uh, you know, had a step and, and finished uh, reminiscent to that. And, you know, I know a lot of the theme was, oh, you know, maybe this is what, what they're going to get. Uh, but the best thing for me was seeing that and also watching the game with Rob Harrington. Uh, but I, I was able to pull that from the, from the archives. Um, and it reminded me of, of the dunk that, that happened today. Yeah. So it looks like Joey, uh, I guess Duke, he had 13 and 10, mm -hmm. uh, and then against, uh, Miami, he had 13 and seven. Uh, he had nine and eight against NC state. Uh, then he had 13 and 11 against Notre Dame, and then he had 19 and nine tonight. So definitely you starting to see an uptick over the last, uh, you know, month or so in his numbers and his aggression. Love it when a plan comes together. Uh, much like the tweet that I got this past week from somebody who finally got to use their Inside Carolina premium discount at Johnny T-shirt. How's that for a plan coming together? He said they'd been waiting a year to be able to use it in person and actually shot me a tweet to say, hey, got a chance to use it. Thanks for all the reads. And they were very happy. And Johnny T-Shirt's very happy. And I tell you this because I want you, the listener, the viewer, to be happy too. Go check out Johnny T-Shirt. Hit him up online. Uh, baseball team had two tough losses this past weekend uh, to East Carolina. The bullpen struggled after seeing some great starting pitching. But there's going to be more games in the Bosch this season. And you'll have a chance to go see the Diamond Heels if you, if you so choose. So go to Johnny T-shirt while you're in town. If you're in town for a uh, for a lacrosse match, men's or women's, or I'm sorry, men's or women's. If you're in town for a field hockey match, a lacrosse match. Uh, if you're in town for gymnastics, uh, women's basketball just wrapped up their regular season, but they'll be playing the ACC tournament. The point is, Johnny T-shirt has gear for all of these teams, no matter which squad at UNC you root for. Johnny T-shirt will outfit you properly. You'll be looking all svelte, slim. Be, you'll, you'll have the drip, as the kids say. So go to Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Use the aforementioned premium discount you can find on the message boards at Inside Carolina. Get your extra 10% off. You'll be glad you did. Let the national guys drop some ads in here real quick. Like, we'll come right back, talk a little bit more about Carolina's three-game winning streak. Talk about, is the season still alive? We'll talk about Duke on Saturday. Coast to Coast post-game edition on InsideCarolina.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up? Appreciate you sticking around. This is a post-game edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. Love that you're here. Love to see the Tar Heels winning for a change. Uh, three straight games at Notre Dame at home against Virginia, getting that quad one that we talked about earlier. And then tonight, beating the Seminoles of Florida State, 77-66. to 66. 
All right, guys, we've we've tried to put uh, an epitaph on the season a couple of times. The Tar Heels are still with their proverbial backs against the wall, hanging on by a thread, depending on who you talk to. I uh, got up to 19 wins tonight. They'll have a chance to go for that elusive 20th on Saturday, senior night against their rivals from Durham. Sherelle, I want to ask you, first off, how do you feel going into this uh, second matchup against Duke? Again, Duke's playing a lot better. Uh, Lively has really kind of found his stride. Jeremy Roach is being the leader that you expected him to be. Uh, Duke playing much better, especially defensively. Tar Heels, can they keep this going? How do you feel like their uh, their prospects are going into this Saturday? Uh, yeah, they certainly can. Uh, they just can't revert to some of the inconsistencies and mistakes that they've had throughout the season. Uh, you know, once they lost that game uh, to who was it? I mean, it's NC State that they lost to, and then they went to Notre Dame. Once they lost the NC State game, I guess it was. It was kind of like, well, they they have to win out in the regular season, and they got to do yeah. some damage in Greensboro. So they've done, I would say, a fair job of making these, it's coach speak, but making these one-game seasons where the biggest game of your life is Notre Dame, and then you beat Notre Dame. Yep. The biggest game of your life is UVA. You win that one game. 48 hours later, you're in Tallahassee. The biggest game of, of your life, you win that game. So now they've got four days to to recalibrate and rest and, and get themselves together for an intense game on Saturday. I think I'll be curious to see how John Shire plays it. Obviously they still have a game tomorrow, but uh, you know, with the way that North Carolina has shot lately, do you now, especially with having Derek Lively who played so well defensively mm -hmm. against UNC the first game, do you just kind of say, okay, Lively handle Baycott and try to choke off shooters? Or do you continue to double team Baycott? And then, you know, say if Carolina can make their shots and so be it. Uh, so I, 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 I do wonder if, the last two games will will give that strategy some some hesitation. And I, I do think that Baycott has to come up big. He's uh struggled the last two games. And he he's a you know, he has a right to struggle. He's played really well this season. <laughs> but you know, he averages thirty, I think thirty one and a half, almost thirty two minutes per game. And he's played forty five minutes over the last two games. And he's gonna have four days off. So he should be pretty well rested and pretty fresh come Saturday. So I think that's what I'm looking at is um does this recent shooting outburst from UNC cause Duke to change the way it's going to um, try to handle Baycott? Sean, uh, sitting here looking at Duke's schedule, they've won four in a row after dropping uh, that game to Virginia in Charlottesville, which you could argue that game was gifted to Virginia the way the, the foul was legislated at the end of the match, but I'm sure none of our listeners are going to lose sleep over that. Um, we saw UNC some in the game at Durham. <clears throat> Excuse me spam some of the high pick and roll stuff that seemed to give Duke a little bit of trouble. Uh, I do realize that when Derek Lively started kind of timing the blocks a little bit better on Armando Baycott, it made that harder to execute. But I want to ask you, now that uh, UNC has kind of figured out this new show from Pete Nance off the high screen, do you think that gives them another weapon? Or is it just as simple as we started this show with, is if North Carolina makes shots against Duke, they probably have a better chance to win. Well, going back to the first game, uh, Duke really followed Jeff Cable and Pittsburgh's strategy of of just completely ignoring uh, Nance and, and Leakey and really mm -hmm. putting two defenders as as safeties. Uh, so to Sherelle's point, I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna have to respect Pete Nance just a little bit, a little bit more, uh, especially if he is operating from the high post. And and I, I think there'll be some wrinkles to try to get Baycott some some earlier and and better better looks. But I do like in terms of 
what they've been, you know, especially against UVA. Duke's not going to defend um, the pick and roll, obviously, like UVA or, or Miami did. But I think with Nance being more confident and being more aggressive, uh, he can find the ball in that 15 to 17 foot range. I know he missed a jump shot today. Uh, so I think that's an avenue that could be worth exploring when, when he is in the game, uh, depending on how Duke is, is running that pick and roll. But I think offensively, it's also going to come down to the guards. Can can they get to the basket? And are they looking for cutters or open players? Uh, which didn't really happen in the first game. Uh, I'd say Armando down low and some others. But I think it's can they get to the basket and can they can they put pressure on Duke's defense to react? Um, if they can, then they're going to continue to get open shots. I know Leakey had the open one in Durham that that he missed, but I think you you know you'll, you'll take that. Time and not time and time again, but you'll take that. I think you can get a lot of open looks um, just by penetration and Duke's Duke's over defending. Or, you know, Duke getting getting out five feet uh, past the the three point line. So it'll be interesting. I think both offensively and defensively. I think UNC from UNC's perspective, defensively, going back to being locked in. They, I think that was what really caught my mind uh, against UVA or caught my attention against UVA was. Sometimes they're switching. Sometimes they're able to get through Florida State. They knew which guys to go under, which guys to go over. Now, there were times where all of a sudden the guy's wide open off the pick and pop or, or pick and roll, but you had to feel a lot better about the defense and the lack of drop coverage, uh, giving giving players open lanes for 10-footers. 10, 10 so I think if they can make, make life a little bit uncomfortable for a dupe, that'll go a long way because they've been playing tremendous offensively. Uh, hasn't been the best of comp- competition they beat, but Virginia Tech is a is a tough team, and they've been they've been shooting the lights out inside the arc and being efficient with the shots they're taking um, outside the outside the paint. I don't have the uh, transition. Wait, yeah, I do. Uh, hang on, I was going to go with the um, transition buckets from North Carolina tonight. Uh, I think that was that was something that's important. I want to ask you, Sean. Do you feel like? Uh, pace is something that they can try against Duke, or is it just you know, go back to the half court that's been working? Because North Carolina hasn't done a ton of uh, hasn't done a ton of, of of pushing tempo this year, but you have seen the last couple of games where when they've been aggressive and triggered an outlet pass early, they've been somewhat successful with it. Is that something they should try on Saturday? I mean, yeah, the, you know, the the easier baskets. You, you, we saw what that did for Duke in the in the first game in terms of uh, Duke getting out off of offensive rebounds or turnovers and two on one, three on one. That was probably, I guess, Florida State the first time UNC is, uh, I'm not going to say cleanly because it still felt a, a little awkward, but it was fairly well executed, the two-on-one fast break uh, with RJ to, to Leakey. If they can get out and, and put the pressure on, well, again, I don't have, it, it always feels like you're about to watch a train wreck when they do get, get in, the, in, tra- <laughs> in transition. Uh, but I think if you can get out and try to get to the line, Caleb attack the basket, you know, whatever it is. I think if you can get shots earlier in the shot clock, you're going to reduce the number of shot clock violations or last second heaves that we still have seen, especially in the second halves of the last, last two games. Trill, is there any one thing that you have to see on Saturday for North Carolina to have a chance? Is it, do they need to take somebody away on Duke's roster? Uh, is it, you know, more steady production from the bench? Or is it just, you know, starting five, doing what they're expected to do? What, what do you want to see on Saturday or, or even better, what do you feel like you have to see? Well, it's going to be a little bit different uh, because the Whitehead didn't play in the first matchup, and 
barring something happening tomorrow, he'll play on Saturday. So that gives them, a, a, I would say, a better offensive option at, at that three spot than they had before. So now you're in a situation where you kind of have to figure out exactly who Leaky Black, you know, will, will cover. Are, are they going to start Mitchell or are they going to start um, Whitehead, you know, the three, Mitchell, the four, Lively, the five? Is that where they're going to go with? Are they going to adapt to what UNC wants to do? Uh, so looking at that matchup, and then I, I think your point about getting in transition is a good one because I feel like you just run a little bit better in front of the home crowd. Mm-hmm. And they struggled against the set defense, like to your point, once Derek Lively got comfortable. So to avoid that, uh, try to you know get out in transition and try to get him into foul trouble early. That will clear the way for Armando Baycott, and then maybe he can play well later. Because um, they don't – excuse me, Young, uh, the transfer from Northwestern, He's good, but I, I don't know if he is able to cover Armando Baycott, you know, one on one. And then that gets into the whole deal about hitting shots, you know, once they start to double Armando if Lively is out. So it, it's going to be a chess match. It's, it should be fun to watch. Um, but I would say just uh, how Leaky Black, if Derek Whitehead is, is his primary cover, how he's able to to um, kind of handle him because defensively, I thought Carolina did a pretty good job for most of the game um, in the first matchup. I thought Pete Nance was excellent at times on Kyle Filipowski, um, really limited him. It was just Proctor hit a couple of threes, and then Jeremy Roach, um, as he's done probably three of the last four matchups, took advantage of, of R.J. Davis defensively. Uh, so uh, looking at those matchups, and then, of course, comes down to Ken Carolina, you know, make a couple of threes. They, I don't think they're going to make 14 or 15, but to Sean's <laughs> point, can they, can they get to eight? Can they get to nine? If they do that, and they, they should be right there with a shot to win. If nothing else, they're trying valiantly to avoid wearing that uh, that moniker of, of being the worst perimeter shooting team in UNC history. So uh, the last two games, they've at least shown that they, they may not want that. All right, boys, before we get out of here, give me your two pennies. Two cents from you, Sean. I think the, the first thing was a quote from Hubert Davis after the, the UVA game in terms of trying to, trying to move the ball quickly. If you didn't, if you didn't have something you know, either dribble on attack or, or pass the ball 0.5 seconds, I think was, was a time. I mean, you, you did see, you need that against UVA to, to be able to score on that defense. Uh, and I think we didn't see it as much today, especially during those turnover fueled uh, possessions. But <laughs> I think if, if they have that in their mindset of, of moving the ball um, when they are moving, doing it with a purpose, I think that will be, that'll be tremendous. And then in terms of, Derek Lively, I mean, not only did he take Armando out, he took really took Caleb and, and the rest of the team out uh, for w- when they wanted to attack the basket and, and attack the rim. So if you're able to get, you know, a quick foul or two on him, if you get him up in the air, you know, as Sherelle mentioned, Young isn't blocking any shots. And I, I think defensively, I always believe you can get by uh, Duke on the perimeter, no matter if it's Coach K or, or Shire. And I think that could could give uh, RJ and Caleb just a little bit more confidence when they get in there instead of taking some some tough twos. But at the end of the day, I mean, for Duke, this is their chance to, not in the same way, but almost end Carolina's season uh, with a win. And, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't take, redeem themselves from the Final Four, but at the same time, they're going to come in with that with that mindset, also with the confidence that they, that they did beat this team uh, last time. And Carolina's going to have to be aggressive. Could be a little bit of a slow start with, with senior night and uh, depending on who the, the starting lineup is, but obviously great for uh, you know any of the walk-ons to get 
yeah, playing time, but you're not going to jump out to a quick, a quick lead most likely. So you need to can't waste possessions, and you gotta you gotta come ready to play because Duke Duke certainly will. Cheryl, same thing. Any two pennies from you? Uh yeah, a few pennies. <laughs> so just re- quick recruiting stuff. So most of UNC's targets slash commits slash signees are in some form of playoffs. So just real quick, uh, Simeon Wilcher um, and Roselle uh, won tonight. So they're going to play for something called the non-public North B title <laughs> on Wednesday. Real, um, you don't know none. I, I don't. <laughs> Wilcher had 27 tonight, though. Um, he's been playing really well from from a, what I've seen from afar um, these last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, but um, is it Archdiocin? Is that correct, Sean? Sure. Okay. Plus, All for, right. the pur- for the purpose of this show, okay. yes. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't, I mean, no offense. Anyway, Cardinal Hayes and Ian Jackson won um, that city championship in New York over uh, Boogie Flynn and Stepanak uh, a few days ago. Uh, Jackson, by all accounts, was was really good. I think he had 18 points and like 12 assists or something. So Ooh. really did a good job of, of passing the ball. <clears throat> uh, James Brown and St. Rita are in something called a sectional semifinal uh, on Wednesday. Uh, they'll play that at 7 p.m. And then Drake Powell is in the North Carolina High School Athletic Association uh, regional semifinals on Tuesday. They play uh, Franklinton. And if they win that, then they would play the regional championship on Saturday the 4th. And if they win that, they would play the state championship on Saturday the 11th. They are the number one seed um, in the uh, eastern part of 3A. So uh, they're the team that most people expect to be there. Um, and then uh, Zayn High and Elliot Cadeau, they are obviously at prep school, so they're getting ready for uh, the Geico National, you know, big tournament, mm-hmm. um, which will be, I think, towards the end of March, early April. And also, Cadeau played uh, with the Swiss, excuse me, the Sweden national the team. Swiss. <laughs> the Sweden national team um, in World Cup qualifiers. And uh, not to extend the show, but I know, Sean, you were following it a little bit. Did you see anything of note? Uh, well, they, they, they lost a close one against Estonia. Um, but I, I think, you know, it was, it was only two games, but the experience going against, especially the first game when they played Germany, uh, pretty much every single player on that team played in the German BBL, which is the top, top league in Germany, which is, uh, you know, probably top five league, um, overseas. And then even some, even some guys that played in Euro league. So, so he only played about seven minutes each game, but. Once again, just getting that that experience uh, is pretty pretty rare for a U.S. player in high school to go through that. So uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit more on on that coming coming over the next few days. I mean, Andre three thousand is pretty good. So losing to Stankonia is not not that much to shake your head at. Um, one one last penny. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, a well done shout out to Caleb Love because we have killed him. People have killed him yeah. throughout the season for a poor play. But I thought. Yep. For the most part, there were obviously a couple of turnovers he'd like to have back. For the, for the most part, you'll take 16 points on 12 shots from him. He also had four assists, and I'm sure there's a stat back there to back it up, but when he has four assists, I bet Carolina wins more often than not. And the other stat we're looking for, Brian Ives, I'm pointing at you. I'm texting you. I'm calling you. Answer the, the last, phone, Ives. Yeah, the last time a UNC team had four players make three or more threes in the same game. That's what happened tonight. Uh, RJ Davis made three, Caleb Love made three, Pete Nance made three, and Leaky Black made three. So if any um, enterprising investigator of basketball statistics wants to look that up and let us know in the morning, please do. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. day. (laughs)
Hey man, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, we we ruminated about that a little bit before we started, and neither of the three of us could come up with it. Uh, Sean suggested that it might be the, the Cam Johnson Luke May team, um, and I you know he may be there. I, I think he may have to go all the way back to like when Reggie Bullock was here, but who knows? Um, so if anybody knows that, yeah, hit us up. We'd love to love to hear from you. But yeah, man, it's it's hard to believe after you know shooting like stormtroopers for the first half, basically the whole game against uh, Notre Dame. There, the Tar Heels oh. are now actually setting records. What you got? I got, it. I got an answer. Brian, I was responded. Tonight was the first time it's happened since at least 1996-97. Wow. Hey, if you guys don't follow at Away to Worthy on Twitter, Brian Ives, he's been he's been on many IC shows before, former IC intern, really, really sharp guy, um, does a lot of work for ESPN. Uh, if you're not following him, I'm absolutely plugging for you to follow him on Twitter at Away to Worthy. Shout out if you know where that comes from. Uh, Brian Ives, just absolute genius, and he posts some great stats after every game, one of which is what Sherelle just shared. All right, boys, anything else you want to get out of here? Looking looking forward to, to Saturday and, and, you know, eight, eight threes. Can they get to that? Can they get to that point? Sean, you, you shall will it, so it shall be done. But I don't care how you're doing. I'm not appreciative of you guys being a part of the show. Uh, it's just part of your job. I don't really think nice things about you as human beings. Um, but anyway, thanks for listeners. Thanks for everybody for, for tuning in tonight. Again, Tar Heels win third in a row, 77-66 tonight over Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee. They keep on hanging on, and we will give a shout-out to John Siegley for producing the show. We'll be right back next time, uh, regularly scheduled program next Sunday. Appreciate all of you being a part of the show. This has been the Coast to Coast Postgame Edition podcast for Inside Carolina. I'm Joey Powell for Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. We'll catch you next time. Late. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.